Hello and welcome to another episode of the Agile Pubcast with me, Paul Goddard, and my good friend Jeff Watts. Probably the best Agile-related podcast in the world. If you haven't listened before, firstly, welcome. And in this podcast, we talk about all things Agile and all things alcohol-related. Now, we've got a bit of a surprise for you today. We've got a new competition Jeff and I are going to put together a swag bag full of Agile-related goodies, and all we need you to do in order to try and win that is to send us a review. We're looking for iTunes reviews. So during the month of October 2017, please go online and drop us a review, hopefully a good one, onto iTunes, and you'll be entered into the draw to win our swag bag. Best of luck, everyone. On with the show. to the inn. Where are we, Jeff? Where are we? Hole in the wall? The hole in the wall. The. Is that, so is that... Didn't got see a s- but, actually. Actually, alright, it may not be no, the I was going to say, the hole in the wall. Yeah. Is there a reason why it's called... Is there any the history? Hole? I believe so. It used to be a smuggler's pub, this. Oh, okay. And so the hole in the wall, I believe, was a window to look out for Shanghaiers. So, you know, in the olden days, you didn't really get to choose to be a sailor. What would happen is crews would come out from the boats and kidnap you out of pubs. Okay. And then you're stuck on a boat for two years. Wow. So there would be someone looking out the window, I believe, to look out for these Shanghaiers. Okay. And uh, make sure that you went out the other door when okay. they come in. I believe that's the one. It's a good recruitment policy. It's um, compulsory, uneducated, unskilled, hmm. unwilling. All right. Sounds like many agile organisations. This is one of your... Locals from your youth? Uh, youthish, you know, you go back 10 years, then you become you're only 30. Mm. So, yes, I used to come here quite frequently, I used to live over the road from this mm. pub. We should introduce ourselves, shouldn't we? We just jump straight into content. I think we know each other. Hi, my, name, my name's David. I'm uh, <laughs> Thanks, Nigel. Thank you. Paul, you sound different today, though, so. I'm ill, Because you're all bummed up, you might not, people will, might not notice. Um, yeah, my name's Paul, and I've got a cold. So, yeah, alright, what are we drinking? <coughs> Uh, I got these drinks in, so I'll explain. So I've gone for des- a dessert cider because <laughs> uh, we've just eaten food. Or as the barman described it, fizzy ribena. Fizzy ribena. So I've got Mortimer's, but it's a Mortimer's uh, berry cider, which is obviously red. It's lovely though. I, I, I like these types of things. I know you do. I've got. I bought Nigel a different um, cider, but it's. Um, Cornish, well, where, where is it from, Nigel? Cornish Orchards. Cornish Orchards. Uh, medium dry, uh, and it is medium and dry, and so it's absolutely perfect for me. Mm. If this May Poppins, it'll be Good absolutely choice. perfect in every way. Practically perfect. Practically perfect. Well, I'm not May Poppins, that's what I'm going to wrong. I bought Jeff um, a bottled IPA, you have to explain, Jeff. It's called Liquid Mistress oh. from Siren Craft Brew. It's a red IPA. I'm going to read the description on the back. The sirens of Greek mythology would entice mariners with their magical songs. Their voices would entwine into a complex layered melody. At Siren Craft Brew we work in a similar way. Uh, Liquid Mistress is our femme fatale, mysterious, seductive and disarming. There we go, she draws and charms drinkers with her full red colours. And you'll soon desire her biscuit and burnt raisin malt base and peach and grapefruit spark. Her devious hop hit will steal your breath. That's that's the marketing pitch. I'm now going to see if that is actually true. That's quite nice. Is it supposed <laughs> to have sediment in it? 
Yes. That's a killer word, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, just, I, just, I just had a quick thought. Um, so, obviously, in English, things can be masculine, feminine, or neutral. And okay. a lot of other European languages, mm. they don't have a neutral. Or a lot of things have like a, a masculine or feminine. Yeah. I remember in German, the yeah, table. Yeah. Yeah. Beer. Yeah, I wonder if in French or German, if that's masculine or yeah, feminine. Un beer, I yeah. think. So, feminine. Feminine. beer. Ein is masculine. Yeah. It's interesting because that beer was described in a very feminine way. That's yes. what made me think about it. Okay, it looks strange. Just the just the glass. The, well, the glass is lovely though, but the glass isn't. I don't think the glass is actually the same. It's not from the brewery. I do like the glass. Let me just take a take a picture of that. It's yeah. almost like a I'll wine do, glass. Do, I think almost. it's a very good choice, Paul. This is one of the best beers you bought me for a long time. Oh, thanks, mate. Except for the sediment, which is no, the, no the sediment. The sediment's normal. Is it? It's a red. I've never seen a red IPA before. I would say it's more brown, but yeah. Yeah, it looks like a like a Guinness. Sorry, really. you have to make it out of that, Jack. Make it get some in for Christmas, maybe. Yeah, that's that, that's got that's good. That's got a lot of character. I like that. Hmm. Talking right. of a lot of yeah. character. Yeah. Well, let's get on to the to today's subject. So uh, again, Jeff, we've had some questions. And I'm loving this. <coughs> it's like it's like we've actually got a focus to these things. There, we've got to talk about something relevant. The mailbag's heaving. I can yeah. just see it here. Thousands of letters have come <laughs> in. So, um, this is something that was uh, tweeted to us quite recently by Lawrence Wheaton, who's at Hairy Agile. I assume because he's quite hairy. Well, yeah, he has a beard and long hair. You've met him. You know met Lawrence. Him, yes, okay. yeah. Uh, Lawrence, uh, so it started, it's, I'll give you the sequence, there's a few tweets that explain his question, so um, his que- it started with, not Agile related, but I've seen some talks this week about diversity of personality, Oh yeah. how does that fit with hiring for culture? So, and he, he also references um, uh, kind of a keynote that he saw by a guy called Dr. Brian Little, who I think he's a professor, well Professor Brian Little, Dr. Brian Little. He talked about um, different personality traits and how basically focusing on introvert and extrovert personalities and how re- really it's not necessarily trying to pigeonhole people but you've got to be prepared to deal with both in, yeah. in terms of both in organisations, in teams, in, yeah. in life. People mm-hmm. are going to have different, you know, different attributes and different traits yeah. and how, how does that have a bearing on... Because Lawrence is saying... If if you're if you're um, if you're an introvert, will you naturally look for people who who follow you, who are the same type of person as you? In this talk, um, this professor talked about the fact that if you get if you're creating an, too much of an introvert organisation, introverts yeah. hiring introverts, yeah. you'll end up with disaster. And equally, if you've got extroverts hiring extroverts, you'll end up with two polarised views. So, Do extroverts hire extroverts? I think I think to an extent, do, do you look for people that are similar to you as, as that kind of? Yeah, if you're looking. It, it's interesting, isn't it? Because because um, I know for me, and this is going to sound awful, dropping myself in straight away. I'm not sure I like people who are like me. <laughs> I think I've had that experience before. Well, I've the, been, the, uh, science science would say that most human beings do. Oh, Nigel's bad form. Nigel's phone's ringing mid podcast. Poor. Oh, <laughs> oh, but you know why it's ringing. But, um, <laughs> We've got. I've got a major life event going on at the moment. So. Oh, is it? Oh, is it? No, is it? That's Nigel's buying a house. Do we need to, do, need to take it? No, no, it's fine. It's okay, fine. okay. So it's um, uh, but for me, yeah. So I know that if I I sometimes see traits of myself in other people and I dislike it. I don't know. I don't dislike it because it's a trait of me. I just dislike that trait in me. I guess. Really? Or like, I don't know. But I've met a lot of people who are like 
overly gobby and opinionated. Mm. And I thought, oh, Jesus Christ. Mm. Now I'm massively gobby mm. and opinionated. Mm. And so I struggle with that. So I, maybe for other people, maybe I'm an exception that poos the rule. No, but so, I, all right. I would say that extroverts are less likely to hire extroverts than introverts are to hire introverts. I think extroverts would see another extrovert as more of a threat. Like a status thing. Than an introvert would see an introvert as a threat. Yeah. <coughs> How about that? Yeah. There are, in taking it slightly more generally away from the introvert extrovert thing, just in terms of balance and likeness, hiring somebody who is different to you, there is a sense of discomfort there yes. for many. Um, but most people, if you ask them, do you need a balance of personalities to be an effective team, they would generally say yes. Yeah. Mm. There was something about hiring for culture there, yeah. isn't it? And I know a lot of agile teams out there, well, not just agile teams, but organisations these days will involve the team in the hiring process. You know, do you do you fit yeah. in this group? Are in you able we to work with these people? Uh, and I guess what you're saying there is there is a danger that if you ask teams to hire people based on fit, then they would go for comfort rather than yeah, the natural tension mm -hmm. required to make a great team. Yes. That wasn't really, that was just me trying to rationalise what we're talking about in my own head then. Well, yeah, diversity so can be a lot of different things. It could be something like creed, colour, age, sex, as well as interests, hobbies, personality. Mm. There's many factors to diversity. And I think to lump them all together, maybe treating all of them as a disservice. Mm. So, for instance, maybe uh, a similar hobby or similar interests, personal interests, could be a factor, I'm not saying it is, but it could be a factor you want similarity on, yet something like age or sex is a factor you definitely wouldn't want similarity on. Okay. That monoculturalness could take you in a very narrow direction. Mm -hmm. So I could see there being uh, differing reasons for different factors. Yeah, and we, we talk about common ground, don't we, in terms of building relationships mm. and rapport. Um, I think I, I don't think I've ever found anybody that I haven't got something in common with. Mm -hmm. Might take a little bit longer to find it with some yeah. people, but so we can we can definitely definitely but find a bond. Do you need to have something in common to build rapport? I don't think we necessarily need it, but it helps. Yeah. For me, this just watch. So I I watched this. Um, Lawrence suggested this um, keynote, which was, was just done some homework. I did some homework for this. This is how much I invest in this book. And Good I know you. You, you guys haven't, but I haven't even told about the question. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming in cold to this noise, but yeah. in this uh, YouTube, um, I'll put it. I can put it into the comments of this podcast as well, so for people interested in it. But he also talks about what. He didn't. The whole point is that he doesn't want to pigeonhole people. Say either you're introvert, you're yeah. either or. Yeah, yeah. And in some respects, he talks about um, ambivert, which is kind of that you're not quite extreme in, in, in one or the other direction. So, and that is what he kind of ended it by in a nice, really nice way by saying, really, it's not something you need to let let govern your process or let um, or, or judge people in that way. Yeah. What really defines the people that you work with is their life story and how they and how they've dealt with those yeah. their people their personal projects yeah. and if you can kind of establish that within a team yeah. then the kind of the traits you can kind of yeah. you become live with it's this whole thing around it struck a chord to me about this whole thing around the safety element if, if you feel safe with the people that you work with yeah. 
introversion, extroversion doesn't no. doesn't play a part. It, it shouldn't na naturally be a choice that you make as to whether you hire someone or you, you don't. But it, it's hard to build that safety if you're not already part of that that unit. Yeah, yeah. in a recruitment process, that's no. hard to do, isn't it? I, I'm 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 more of a view that that. I think that's what you're saying there, that, that these kinds of things are fluid. So there are situations where I would tend to be more introverted and there will be situations and scenarios where yeah. I would tend well, to be really more really resonated with me for, for, a number, for one major reason. So I, and he was, he asked a load of questions at the beginning of this talk, yeah. saying, suggesting, where do you put yourself on the scale? Similar to stuff that you, I know Kim has done this before at the other keynotes. Where do you put yourself on a scale of one to ten on yeah. whether you're pessimistic or optimistic, that type of thing? Yeah. 10 questions and he gave people a chance to score themselves and um, he gave a, a kind of guidelines away you come out on that kind of that's that scale so I, for me for me personally just judging this on myself if I was looking at myself through that lens I'd probably put myself as more introvert than extrovert okay okay just my own perception and he, he gave some good examples for instance with me as a trainer I'm putting myself in what he describes as a pseudo-extrovert situation. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't come naturally to me. And he talks about these niches that you need to go back into to reclaim that element of your personality. Yeah. For instance, and this is well known in my house at home, when I come home from a two-day class, my wife knows that I just need to be in a dark room for a bit on my own. Yeah, I have the same thing. Yeah, because it's, it's, I'm out of my natural personality safety and I need to retreat and what's interesting is that in the agile community there tends to be in recent years trying not to generalize too much but the belief is that extroversion is what we need yeah. mm -hmm. and we need people that are openly confrontational and kind of challenging talking all the time in these yeah. kind of open plan office environments yeah. which sometimes don't actually give you that retreat as an introvert to get back to what you need yeah so it's about having, I think, and it, it also resonates in terms of the whole improv thing, you need to be able to switch that status. Yeah. Yeah. It's not being extremes, yeah. but it's being about to slightly put yourself out of your comfort yeah. zone, but then having something to retreat back to yeah. afterwards. I, yeah, I think Jeff's point, I mean, remember about contextual extroversion or introversion is interesting for me. Like for me, I never feel more alive or more real than I do when doing a training course. Really? That's me. And that's embarrassing because people see it and they think I'm some sort of obscure caricature. The amount of feedback forms where people say I'm like, I'm game show, or, you know, and that's actually who I am, you know. Yet, I did want to go to the bar earlier on and and turn down the music. <laughs> that's how I got used to do it. I said, no, just go and turn down it's the music. Funny, I'm like, no, I'm alright, thanks. Yeah, so it's interesting. So even I would have that type of situation. Um, so being able to balance it up in a team, yeah, I think you're right. But also it's confusing sociable or confusing... Um, uh, emotional intelligence with um, uh, expression of opinion. So a lot of people said, well, in the agile thing, looking for these extroverts to work in teams, and actually what they want is people with good emotional intelligence mm. to work in the teams. Often some of us who are the loudest have the lowest emotional intelligence. Yeah. We're, we're barking dogs, basically, mm. with a limited self-awareness. Mm. And yet, so that confusion between the, sort of the extrovert and the emotionally intelligent, I think, is also interesting in terms of teams. I think a lot of times we do a cultural fit. Mm. What we're talking about is emotional intelligence and that fits mm. less I'm loud I'm quiet I'm black I'm white I'm male I'm female I'm old I'm young mm. which are, which are uh, things that uh, I think are uh, 
uh, not not not, not uh, uh, should be a, a very diverse factor. Mm. So I, I personally like working on teams that are diverse of all all aspects like that, including extrovert introvert. Um, the cultural thing would be: can we be emotionally intelligent with each other? Can we have tolerance? Basically, mm. is what I would look for. But <laughs> even things like I can think of sprint planning sessions mm. for some for the people that I used to work with. That was just being that kind of yeah, meeting yeah. where there's the focus is on yeah. you or yeah. your role or your task, yeah. your skills. That was uncomfortable. Yeah. Yet we kind of promote the sense that it even made me question: Am I too pushy? Am I making trying to make this too much of an extrovert yeah. activity? Yeah. And this whole improv thing, you're kind of asking people to yeah. to stretch themselves beyond yeah. their current yeah. comfort level. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I definitely bad Paul. Bad me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could definitely see changing stance as a coach. But you do. I think yeah. we, some from the exercises, the yeah. techniques that we do, if you feel that's happening, you'd ask people to write stuff down rather yeah. than, yeah. than yeah. or perhaps go yeah. go into smaller groups. Yeah, yeah. Go go off and do something individually, then come back. Is that you've got to be able to sense it and, and give people different different opportunities to, to voice their, yeah. themselves in different ways. You could almost say that the argument is as a coach is because uh, I think some people cast scrum masters very much in the extrovert role, role yeah. mold yeah. and they need to be from the emotionally intelligent mold mm. you know someone who can actually adjust their style to the audience rather than just try and ram it home like I recently working with a company just doing the workshops some simulations of agile and scrum very nice and some of the, the newbie scrum masters there some of the team are quite introvert and quite not taking part as much and they turned up their personality to try and get it across and I think you know getting more extrovert won't make someone who is quiet and unsure less quiet less unsure they'll just retreat more into their proverbial shell but surely there's parts of Jeff smirking to himself he's leaned back in this chair and he's just like oh you can see his body language it's almost like a a lion ready to start (laughs) come down with us the cubs playing with the idea and Jeff wants but what about kind of optimism then that kind of optimism Mufasa. Mufasa, is it? <laughs> Lion King reference. Mufasa. Oh, my, daughter's watching, my daughters are watching it all the time. But, uh, Not only do you get human names wrong. <laughs> was it Mufasa? It? Not Mustafa. Oh, so, you say potato, I say potato. <laughs> we say potato, you say radish. Mufasa! <laughs> <laughs> it's like Eric Morgan seller playing all the right notes, just not necessarily in the right order. Got all the correct syllables, just didn't quite get them in the right place. Carry on, Jeff. No, it was Paul. So, um, optimism and pessimism, right? I make a big thing in my um, training course and about if you can be nothing else as a scrum master, try and be optimistic. Mm. Requires no talent, requires no kind of... Yeah. And again, maybe, yeah. but I suppose and there is a correlation between to people that tend to put themselves more in a pessimistic category might, might not mm. always, tend to be more introvert than extrovert. But sure, that has a bearing on your scrum master... Because for me, that's a key part of the role. Discuss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I've written about that. Well, oh, you've written about that when you were I said, like, no one's inspired by a cynic. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's not about being a cheerleader, but it is about finding the positive. It's the glass half full kind of person. But no, I was, I was smirking. I just remember there was a conversation that I was um, not part of. But um, in my head, I have been many a time where it was podcast that I was listening to, the Agile Amped podcast, one of them, the Agile 2017 in Florida. With Howard. With Howard. Was Howard doing it? Howard, they were, t- they were talking about um, you know, which famous 
real or fictional person would make a good scrum master. And oh, somebody right. said Wonder Woman, and somebody said Batman, and somebody said something else. Um, well, Mrs. McGonagall from Harry Potter. Okay, uh, Professor McGonagall. That's it, yeah. And Try and say that, Nigel. I was just thinking, no. though, <laughs> if you were talking about that sort of, um, that, that kind of person who can change their their approach, that yeah. dial up different aspects of their personality for what the team and the situation yeah. demand. I was thinking of that X-Men character that Jennifer Lawrence plays. Mystique. Mystique. Who can uh, sort of adapt herself. Morph into yeah. a different shapeshifter. Yeah. That's... But well, that's the line about interesting comedians, isn't it? Back to comedy yeah. again, yeah. like Peter Sellers, yeah. a great mimic, because he almost had no personality himself. Yeah. He had cake on conditional personalities mm. for the situation he needed. Vic Reeves is another one who's, yeah. who's virtually, his persona is the complete opposite of, of, of him in real life. Yeah. Naturally quite, Chloe's quite private. They said the same about Robin Williams, isn't it? It's a bit, yeah. a bit dark, yeah. but in terms of the, the flamboyant character yeah. that you see on stage, yeah, the difference in in that is is can, yeah. can be to, can be. But if you and I'm going to link that back to what you said about you, you know, the more that you are acting outside of who yes. you really are, yes. the more energy it takes from you. Yeah, um, and if you're doing that for a long period, that of leads time, to stress, and it does, yeah. it does. This is why. So I was um, doing some co-training with a, a, a prospective scrum trainer recently, and I, I, would, I said to her, I said, just try and be be true to yourself. I think because people appreciate authenticity, they appreciate um, someone being authentic with them. Mm-hmm. You know, so the more you have to turn on a personality, the more hard it is for you. Mm. But also, the less true you ring as a human being. So bring that all the way back to the conversation about diversity. I think um, you know, I don't want people all to fake being an extrovert or fake being anything. No, I want them to be true to themselves. But then us as a team build up the ability to embrace that truth. Right, you know, so I'm going to jump on that and I'm going to run with it. Yeah. And you're, normally when we talk about, I say we, I'm talking mainly about me, but when we talk about team behaviours mm-hmm. and, and being a good team member, one comment that people come back to me with is, you know, do unto others as you would have done unto yeah. you. Uh, now, I don't actually believe that myself. I, to be a good team member, it's not do as I want done to me. It's yeah doing to others as they want to be done to them it's yeah. taking into account their preferences yeah. and if, you're, if I know that you know, being at, standing at the front of the room is going to put you under pressure I'm not going to do it just because I like doing it mm. and, that, and that was we talked about that a while ago when I was in, on the island yeah. thing you know, what, what's the one thing that I can not do to make sure that I don't piss you off yeah. um, <laughs> that, that's, that's a sign of a good team member yeah mm. Back to tolerance again, being intolerant mm. of intolerance. Yeah. 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 Just aware, isn't it? And aware yeah. and respectful. Mm. But it's so then back to the question, Rob's question was around hiring, recruiting. Yeah. You're not you're not at your authentic when you're in exactly yeah, and even authentic you'll ever be probably. and you hear about this idea of basically come and sit with us for a day and yeah. do development for a day yeah. but even that that you're not going to feel truly you yourself take it for a day can't you and are that like we said before about when you're on a coach you go and observe a team they're not going to be themselves with no. somebody watching them if you yeah. feel like you're still being interviewed yeah. when you're doing development yeah. you're still going to act differently yeah, yeah. So it can't. It is. It can't last. And it, form for me. So perhaps it's for me then. Perhaps the environment has to tailor itself. Yeah. It's about adjusting your team behaviours to when a new person potentially comes on board. Well, Freud would call that leakage, wouldn't he? 
leakage. Okay. Your true personality, you can't stop it from leaking out. And the longer yeah. you, the longer you are trying to, the, the more you will see that. And I think that's what people are looking for in, in those interview processes. But if you can be, it's very easy for us to say, isn't it? And I'm, I'm coaching quite a few people who are trying to find a job at the moment. Right. And you know, they know what, well, they think they know what the recruiter or the or the client yeah. or the company is looking for. And then, if they want to get the job, yeah. then they know what hoops they have to jump through. Yeah. But actually, what what they're really looking for is who you really are. That's what they yeah. really want to know. Yeah. Um, but do you have the confidence? It's easy for us to say, be yourself. Yeah. But if you think I'm not going to get the job, yeah. do I show them what I want them to see? Well, that's the choice. Is it hiring for cultural fit or hiring for cultural fakery? It's got to be both. Yeah, can I it? fake it enough to get in the door, yeah. and then they'll get used to me, and I'll yeah. get used to them? Yeah. You know. So you're not hiring for fit at all, you're just hiring for, yeah. I well, still think it's less cultural fit, more tolerance. I keep going back to that, but I think that's what people need to hire for. Can I, mm. can I work with you as an individual? I don't have to like the same films, I don't have to like the same songs, mm. but can we both bumble along together interestingly? And I think if you can build up tolerance, then you can learn from each other. You know, I'm not into heavy metal, but I can work with a heavy metaler, and okay, and, but then you, I may pick up a like of heavy metal from this, from talking to you say about When you say about music, it reminds me again of this, this video I watched this morning. Yeah. Because, um, in terms of even again about um, so things like playing music in the office, yeah. Um, and he was saying how this affects different people in different ways. So if if you're an extrovert, if, you, if that's if you actually like yeah. that because it yeah. kind of it stimu yeah. you like stimulants yeah. and you like the yeah. idea of yeah. conversations and yeah. things happening. But obviously, to an introvert who's trying to yeah. get knuckled down and yeah. get on the work, that's a huge distraction. Yeah. So it's it's amazing how things that we don't even think affect yeah. us or perhaps we want them yeah. and I can think <laughs> I must have told the story before about the guy Nokia that got fired for playing his guitar have I told you that story? No <laughs> you mentioned it but carry on <laughs> well I don't think I wasn't I can't again I heard this second hand so I wasn't there but apparently um, there was a guy who was playing the guitar got asked to stop but then just out of defiance <laughs> just carried on and even went right behind people and, and, and just rebelled <laughs> And uh, this, yeah, the story was I, I wasn't there by the time, but he he was shown the door effectively moved moved out of the business. But it's just that yeah, and people expect this kind of agile teams are these kind of and even like body contact, hugging, high fiving, yeah. which again yeah, yeah. we we Nigel's now you can't see him, but Nigel's cringing at that. And I yeah. internally yeah. I cringe a little bit yeah. when that happens yeah. because for me as an introvert, yeah. that's that's like whoa, yeah. that's too much. Yeah. Well, as an Englishman, like, yeah, I said before, when we were in El Segundo, oh, you guys know that you guys were in El Segundo when I was working over there for BT, no, sorry, Clay. we weren't there. Um, <laughs> well, I think I had a guy try to high-five me and I cringed. What, <laughs> um, noticeably? Yeah, we were like this and I sort of flinched back. <laughs> and so, but even things like that, so it's, yeah. it's not surprising that, you know, that, that people respond to it in different ways. Yeah. It's not but, for everyone. So coming back to, again, how do we make this all work and stuff, you know, do you hire for cultural fit, do you hire for diversity? Of course, the answer is both. You know, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, but in terms of like a scrum master with music in the office, why couldn't we have like, the technology's there, like an office playlist that you can listen to, like a radio station you can listen to on your own headphones, mm. or listen to your own music, or you can have silence. Mm. You don't have to, you can have a common thing that you can all share mm. that doesn't have to be shared by everyone in common. So, you know, putting online, 
playing yeah. it, you can dip into the office playlist and learn something new, like heavy metal in my case, mm. maybe. Yeah, if I was desperately offended by the music because I can't concentrate, yeah. I could just put my earphones, or I don't even have earphones because the office is quiet except for that. Yeah. You know, so it's it's building an environment for that ability for all of those different people to work together yeah. while still having some core things that we can draw upon to give us a sense of unity, a sense of tribe, mm. a sense of team. Yeah, we can still have some common values. Yeah. But if I was hiring for a scrum master, for example, I would be looking for somebody who could tactfully yeah. have a very difficult conversation and challenge people and mm. make people think differently mm. without getting their backs up. I, yeah. If I was hiring for somebody to be part of the scrum team, I would want them to be able to put forward their opinion in a way that doesn't cause massive unrest, yeah. but contributes to, to creating a different perspective for the whole team. I'd, I'd want to see that. I wouldn't want somebody to come in and just not be noticed because they fit in so well. Um, but, so that, that, that I would want, I would hope that, that diversity was part of the process, and I, I'd want them to make that explicit. Yeah. But I don't know whether the recruitment processes that are in place are aware of that. I think, well, I think, yeah, I think the conversation about hire of a cultural fit or diversity is a conversation that many recruitment processes is beyond their remit now. They barely hire on knowledge. Mm. So, and I think too many organisations hire on your what you know rather than how you can communicate it, how you can articulate it. You've all been I think there. also the company has, a, if you're looking for a job or if you, let's say, you really want to work for that company. Maybe it's not necessarily even the culture, but you want you want to work for that company because of what they're doing and, and yeah. why they're doing it. Does that open you up more? Like you're more likely to adapt and, and, and kind of become that culture, whatever it might be. Well, if, if, yeah. if, if, if you're actually looking for that, if you, if you really want to work for that company because of what they're doing and why they're doing it, then you, your values match anyway, right? Well, yeah. so I did some work not too long ago with a computer games company, and people want to work in computer games desperately. They don't want to do 18-hour days and work over the weekends, no. which they all having to do. Yeah. But they, they, that's the acceptance. They love the product. They love the product. They love the idea of the product. They love the idea of working on that product. And so they tolerate the, the pain that comes from working in computer games, because most computer games have been the crunch, you know, at the end. It's been an absolute killer. Yeah. So I think I can see that conversation. But I'm not into that thing. I would only work 18 hour days, but I may work on a game. Yeah. Hmm. Again, was there actually a question? Or was it just, hold the line caller, I'll go back to Twitter and check. Um, but either way, I think it's, um, it's I think the, 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 the clash of cultural fit versus diversity. Tell you what, while you do that, I'm going to go to the bar and get another round. <laughs> Okay, I've, I've rooted out the question. I'm going to try and bring this to some kind of um, climax at this point. Resolution. Resolution. Um, Conclusion. So, you asked for a bit more context. <coughs> he said, so he's saying that this guy in this talk that I watched today, Brian Little said, a company run solely by either extroverts or introverts would be terrible. Yes. But then, will introverts hire extroverts? Question mark. Emotionally intelligent ones will. Yeah. consciously saying we need somebody yeah. here different yeah yeah I think we need yeah. diversity either consciously them. or it will be reactionary to the problems that they will face inevitably yeah but it's like you say about higher like two my two I was two of my best friends in surely, life are introverts but it's, but surely look, look at who's doing the hiring so so and look at in, who's in the room right if tr traditionally in from my history the people doing the hiring would be more 
likely to be higher status or managerial kind mm -hmm. of yeah. that kind of responsibility. Does not always, but does that lend itself to again? Maybe that those people are more extrovert than introvert. Yeah. Are they going to be conscious of looking at that? If you if you put a group of developers in in that room and you ask them to hire their scrum master, would they pick an extrovert just to give you a, a, a win? Well, yeah. So it, I think it's multiple aspects. I think one historically, ex management's been extra an extrovert job rather than introvert job historically. I think, and I think that's led to a lot of issues and I think the m more modern world of what we do, Scrum Master Sermon Leadership, yeah. is leaning towards less people of that type having to be yes. in those management roles. But secondly, I also, I, I, I just realised I want to argue the premise of you know, extroverts hire extroverts or introverts hire introverts, because like my two best friends I mentioned a moment ago are both introverts. Right. And so, we don't hire each other, do you, as friends, but there's a complimentary yin or yang yeah, relationship yeah. there as well. But where so, Jeff's just saying, where you, an emotionally intelligent decision, we, we want someone different. You want yeah, someone who will yeah, challenge the status quo. Yeah. You want someone to break us out of our comfort yeah. zone. If you want someone to like you, yeah. would you be prepared to do that? Yeah, it's interesting, I don't know. But also, I'm just thinking, if, even if I'm not emotionally intelligent, may I merely look for someone to fill my gaps? You know, would I actually yin and yang it? Would I say, okay, I don't have the awareness that I am like a, a loud mouth, like barking seal, let's say, for instance, yet I may still hire an audience, you know? Or maybe if I'm an introvert and I'm not aware that I'm an introvert, maybe I would hire people who seem gregarious and forward because of yeah. the gap. You know? so yeah. I think it's a very. It, it's a very complex conversation. Again, it comes back to Jess's point about emotional intelligence. So important, I think, in that situation. Um, I think it's why, as you said, having a team involved in it is interesting. Not because they may be extroverts or introverts or whatever others, but because just the diversity of thought from yeah. a team may pick a better scrum master than having one or two people making that choice. So I'll throw an extra thing in there then. That emotional intelligence can be bought. You can, Expand. You can, you can hire a coach, for example, for example, who could provide some insight into what they think the dynamics of the team are. They could provide some yeah, data. Most companies now that do this, so yeah. in terms of trying to analyse or kind of add data around the recruitment process to help people hire... And it doesn't have to be recruitment either, it can just be the roles that we play. Yeah. So you know, one of the exercises that, that, that we've done a few times, Paul, is just sitting back and observing the dynamics within a, within a team's problem-solving oh, yeah, process yeah. and seeing how, how those roles are filled within the team and just playing that data back to them and saying, look, what's, what's missing here? What, yeah. what do you need to do differently? Yeah. Who's going who's gonna to take that on? Mm. Don't necessarily need a new person to do that, no. but just perhaps someone else takes a different hat. Neutral yeah. observer, yeah. I do also think there's an element where we mustn't, like, I've mentioned two or three times, the last time I promised podcast, but you know, the, we focused a lot on the one factor, uh, which is the extrovert introvert, there was a video you watched, yeah. which is important, but the, the other factors are well in terms of diversity, in terms of um, the, uh, cultural fits, you know, I think those factors should not be overlooked, you know, I, I'm just hyper aware that there's basically white, heterosexual, middle-aged men, yeah. When we're not in a good position to comment on that bit um, uh, because of our well, the, the fortune of our position, you know. So I think it's always I get very nervous. I watch a lot of with the um, American changes and the American election, etc., and Brexit and everything. I watch a lot of political stuff on YouTube these days, and I always get slightly nervous when people from positions of um, 
privilege comment on people who don't have privilege. Right. You know, I'm very nervous on that. So I would, I would suggest that's a full and deep conversation that must be judged. Mm. But also, we, and I just mean just in terms of being white, male, middle-aged, whatever. But I also mean the fact that as coaches outside those teams, yeah, it's difficult for us to make. You know, we can be quite objective. We feel, yeah. But of course, we're not feeling that experience in it. I can imagine someone on the scrum team wanting to hire someone who sounded like they knew everything, someone who sounded very confident with their experience and knowledge, because that would be um, assuring to me, even though they would be right for my team. But it's, it's difficult, because again, so I had a phone call just just yesterday, who I, and I won't name who it was, or what company it was, but basically someone um, comes to me as a coach saying, my team needs your help. Mm-hmm. Can you, basically, yeah. wanting, putting yeah. you in that yeah. position, it's, it's, yeah. it's about saying, am I, am I do I turn that down? Do I suggest yeah. that, well, you're the best person to do that, you don't need my help? Yeah. But do you offer, offer the help that people are, are looking for? Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of the nature of the nature of the beast, I suppose. Yeah. It's just it's just an awkward spot, isn't it? It's, um, I'm aware of having two daughters, you know, and I, I'm seeing at the moment, um, you notice everything that you never noticed as a, as a man. You know, the idea of the, sort of the, the, the fairy princess. Yeah. You know, the toys and everything. And I get very nervous my daughter's already going that direction. Oh, we love pink, we love princesses, we love fairies, you know. Oh, we don't like astronauts. And it's like, well, it's sad already. And you, you try not to send them in that direction. Yeah. There seems to be elements in the culture around them that sends them off in a certain direction. Yeah. So I think it's um, the cultural fit thing, you know, it's about teams. It's also the entire cultural fit of the organisation. And do those things differ? Yeah, I imagine um, our old employer BT would hire on different criteria than Google. They would hire on different criteria to a startup around the corner. Do you remember how they used to do it in um, pot housing? This is a BT thing. Do you remember how they used to hire a team? Uh, you know, kind of sort people into teams. Do you have a part of that? Was it a disc? No, it wasn't a disc. It was um, the other one. It was. What Myers Briggs? No, what's the plant team player? What's that? BTO, isn't it? Is that BTO? And you do it all silently, you have to fill in a questionnaire yeah. for the hothouse. Yeah. And then they, you would be kind yeah. of self-selected based well, on... how you felt No, I day. think what it was, no, the people um, who were running those teams would yeah. then select, not on your name or on your anything about you other than your profile. Do you remember what yours was? I was a team player. That was why I came out. I'm, I'm pretty much always a plant. I was a plant. What, a summarise plant for me? You adjust yourself to whatever the situation okay, is. Okay, right. Plant was also creative. Maybe. Yeah. Good ideas. Um, so that's, so hot housing for, for those that don't know, this is a BT initiative, basically putting, building teams in a very intensive environment, um, three day format, to build prototypes, proof of concepts yeah. of new products, and then basically choose one at the end. Yeah. But they, they it's always the one that was most expedient in the workshop, not necessarily the best. I never, I, you know, for all those years, I never, whilst I was part of the um, the design, I was never actually part of a hothouse. I, I well, was, you were, weren't you? I was, you? I wanted an iPod Mini. Did you? Mm. With Sean Hanley. It's just like, it's someone had to say. That's all I remember about it. Yeah. I, I was part, I remember um, um, someone we know closely got thrown out of one of the teams. Oh, who can tell us who it is? Call me You know who, you know who. You know who? Um, <laughs> you know just who? mouthed the name to me. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. 
Um, but also, um, I had the results of a hothouse that won the hothouse because it was very easy to build in the hothouse, but was actually probably the wrong technological solution outside the hothouse. Right. Okay. So I had to tell them. I was actually there as not as an agile person, as a technical person. Right. Saying, okay. I'm an expert in this technology. I wouldn't use this for this. You know, it was good to get something built in two days, but you could actually do a better job. You know, yeah. actually building it bespoke. Actually. But they, in terms of selecting people for those hothouses, that was just based on. Initially, you were invited based on your skill, weren't you? Nothing yeah. more than. Yeah. You brought some kind of technical skill to those workshops, yeah. from what I remember. Why were you there then, Jeff? <laughs> no idea. I, I brought nothing to the party. But so, no so being Jeff Watts, that was, no that was the skill. Skill does. Were you there with Sean Hanley? Did I dream that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. That was in the early days of BT Sean Hanley. I remember days. picking Sean up. Exosoft. Picking, picking Sean up from some hotel and him being with Ipswich. Yeah, and he was just absolutely wrecked. <laughs> if you're there, Sean, and he needed, we love you. We genuinely, love you, we do love you. But he doesn't like getting. Didn't like getting up early. No. Uh, he had this like beanie hat on and uh, three cups of coffee between the hotel and, and the. Because they were started at seven or something, oh, didn't they? Very early. Very early starts. Yeah. Very early. It's ridiculous. This is imported from America, wasn't it? So yeah. There were, there were good I elements of them. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There was the, 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 the quick prototype, fail fast, fail, yeah. fail cheap thing yeah. was good. Set based design, yeah. multiple ideas. Yeah, yeah. but it was. But other parts that, of them gave them a bad name. Even that, looking at the roles you play within a team, was good. Taking yeah. the name out of it, yeah. taking the position out of it, no photographs, or no job know, title, no, no job title, no. Just on yeah. that, on, on even if it's wrong, as in incorrect, not morally wrong, even if it um, doesn't end up with the perfect team, that at least is an attempt at trying to get some diversity in there and trying to think about the composition of a complementary team member. So here's another thing then, because I know that several, I think you've either written about this or we've talked about this before. The idea of letting teams self-organise into teams. Yeah. Is there a risk there in that sense that people just will just pick yep. their friends and people will pick? Yeah. But I'm not suggesting that's a bad thing. But yeah. do you reserve the right to tweak those? Do you reserve the right maybe give people constraints that you've got to have this set of skills and yeah. these types of? Yeah. In general, it's, it's uncomfortable to work with people you don't know. Yeah. But it's but often it's highly productive. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a dangerous area because you're saying, well, I'm going to do this for your own good, effectively, aren't you? I'm, I'm going to put you out of your <laughs> I concept. know best. Yeah. Yeah. But again, the people who are, who've got experience of being in different teams will acknowledge, if directly asked to think about it, that the, the more diverse and the less group thing you have, the more successful you are. Um, the important thing is, can you create an environment of safety where you can you actually challenge each other and complement each other constructively. Yeah. Yeah, you see that everywhere. You see that. Even at the meetup group that I was talking at last night, no no pressure there at all, but the two people that knew each other sat next to each other. Yeah. Three people from the same company sat with each other. Um, and you learn least yeah. from that. So, so that that's also, uh, maybe not directly connected, but it's definitely inspired me with the conversation we were saying earlier on. Cultural fit doesn't have to be cultural similarity mm -hmm. no, that's you true. know much like a, a bolt fits into a nut you yep. know they fit but they, they're complementary yeah and so I think in terms of so who decides what's cultural fit yeah we come back to the stuff you said about do the team hire does some other people hire how do you approach that that could that could have a direct effect on whether the culture side of it is complementary or similar and, and the consequences that ensue I think it could be a mixture I think awareness 
is key. So if, for example, you can you can help the team become aware of where their gaps are, where they need complementing, yeah. so maybe they are missing a plant yeah. type person, yeah. then they could then quite effectively hire for that while also finding someone that isn't yeah. an asshole. Yeah. yeah? And that, that kind of just reflection and awareness and self-evaluation I think is quite critical. I'm tempted to divert this conversation slightly just because I had a, uh, an interesting thought the other day. Oh, that's dangerous. It's to, do with, it's to do with culture, but not quite to do with culture fit. Yeah? Uh, do you want me to...? Yes. Okay. So I was watching a video uh, about choice and the idea of the power of choice mm -hmm. and the psychology of choice. And to cut a long story short, the speaker, Sheena Iyengar, plotted the cultural attitudes to choice mm -hmm. and autonomy, and how in, in the Western world, autonomy and choice is generally considered a positive thing. Yeah. Uh, in other parts of the world, it's considered more of, an, more of a, a discomfort. Yes. Yeah. Um, nothing really into that apart from the fact that it got me thinking about the whole sort of offshoring outsourcing thing yeah. and whether unconsciously the outsourcing trend from the from the western world yeah. to the left to the, the subcontinent was a subconscious part of maintaining control yeah. effectively handing over development to people who actually don't want, culturally, don't want to take charge, don't want to take ownership. And then us, as agile coaches, as agile trainers, mm -hmm. trying to teach self-organization, trying to teach autonomous yeah. teams, yeah. is quite, not just uncomfortable, but disrespectful in many ways. Yeah. And that that's someone I don't know whether somebody used it or whether there's a thought that came into my head of sort of imperialism through the back door effectively. Yeah. We're, we're imposing our cultural values yeah. on you. I was about to say the same thing but from a slightly different angle which is imperialism of us to them um, but in terms of our appreciation of who they are. Yeah. That, that conversation of saying oh maybe not intentionally but subconsciously the idea of outsourcing to someone who will do as they're told yeah. sort of thing yeah. um, and also understand the complete ridiculousness of that. I just did a, a workshop the other day, a training workshop and a mix of cultural mix of uh, Irish and uh, Indian, you know, and all the personality types you expect in Ireland and Indian to be there, but also the others. So like, some of some of our Indian components there, there were incredibly self-organising, yeah. incredibly leader, leaderful, and some of the Irish personalities there you expect to be quite um, chatty, were very quiet and reserved, and so um, it was a complete, uh, complete mix-up again, as we always said, of these types of things, but I think there's an implication I think in some organisations of the concept of outsourcing to the Far East and averted commas in some way of taking low-level menial work and handing it off to a cheaper source, which it I, isn't, but then we get all the issues with that. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm sure we've talked about this before, I'm trying to think if we're duplicating a podcast now, but maybe we just spoke about it offline somewhere, was <clears throat> I'm trying to think of the, at the time when we were involved in BT in this, I, I, my memory of it was purely on cost savings, was the yeah. fact that yeah. it was nothing more sinister. Maybe that was the way I interpreted yeah. it, than the fact that we, can, we want to get the same amount of done work done here, yeah. sorry, somewhere else, yeah. and we wanted to do it yeah. like a third, the day rates are a third of the cost, yeah. or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Purely was driven by cost. 
Yeah. I think yeah. management were quite open. And, and we can get the same thing done here for yeah. a third of the cost. Yeah. Just that type of decision. Yeah. No brainer in that sense. Yeah. But the implication, because it was low, low skill work going over, you know, or there, there was, a, there was a, the, the imperialist aspect. I think what Jeff said about the imperialism stuff was the, um, was the thinking of almost maybe of management layers, like the class structure, management versus worker, rather than English versus Indian, with a cultural assumption that 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 the work being done or the work being handed over was menial and of low value. You know, so like you think of the classic nineteenth-century like yeah. aristocrats and the serfs. You know, yeah, yeah. like this is serf work going to a serf culture yeah. rather than what it was, which is high-value work going to a high-value culture. Yeah. So you, a misunderstanding. It then got me thinking, in a similar way to Paul, sort of doubting his his whether he's bad Paul. Uh, I also started thinking, well, hold on a minute. If I'm if I'm teaching self-organisation to a culture that actually doesn't value that, finds that yeah. almost yeah. counterculture. Is that, is that, you know, is but that I don't believe that assumption. Forcing, what? No, but, but, but I have been party to mm. trying to instill, rather than install, yeah. a self-organising team culture, challenge yeah. hierarchy, yeah. challenge yeah. management, into, a, into a, 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 con- a country and their culture where that's the opposite. But they haven't really got a huge amount of choice because the company yeah. that's asking them to do this is where where the money's coming from. That's where their bills are being paid. That their job are dependent yeah. upon it. Um, so yeah, it got me to think. Got me thinking whether I, I was part of a, a bad yeah. movement. I, I would say I don't. I don't believe the. I, I've said before, culture for me is something all encompassing, but also like gravity. And it's all encompassing and strong, but also quite light. The amount of variance I see between people is much, much, much wider than national variance. So I, I, so, I used to tell myself yeah. that, but I'm yeah. wondering whether it's something I told myself because I wanted to believe it. Yeah. And when you know, I watched this video, yeah. which I'm, I'm sure all yeah. studies and data are yeah. flimsy, but the idea that actually culture this is this is this causes anxiety for people it yeah. causes stress for people yeah. and we're we're forcing something upon them that we shouldn't be mm. which then got me thinking well hold on a minute so then should i be encouraging well command and control in one country and exactly yeah and, and agile but, but, in another but no, i think I, it's more it's more class than the nation i think there's a case to be made that many developers don't like self-organization like being told what to do not because they're indian or english or american but because they some people like to be told what to do, but I don't think that's good for them. I don't, it, that's good for the work. I don't think that's good for the organisation. So I think that there's a certain point where um, the uncomfortableness of empowerment is uncomfortable, but the alternative is automation. So it's you know either that work becomes higher value and becomes empowered and becomes slightly more difficult. Yeah, so or it becomes automated. Isn't it and that's been a thing that's been happening. So one last thing for that's been happening for. 250,000 years. <laughs> Human beings have upgraded their work and gone, okay, it's required a bit more thought yeah. and a bit more ownership and a bit less manual muscle work. That's what I was going As we've gradually moved up, and that's not going to stop. In terms of the projects, the, the work is is dramatically changed. If you look at the, yeah. the, the rate at which technology is, yeah. is advancing, mm. the human brain can't probably can't deal with it in terms of its, it, pe- people need a different, regardless of where they live. So are you saying then anybody that that would like to be told what to do needs to grow a pair of man up and No, I what I would say is they need to be aware that we need to um, have that ownership and they need to work within that. So let's say 
back to the thing, cultural fit, right? So let's say we're a scrum team, right? I am one of those people. I'm very shy. I don't want to make decisions. I'm quite, for whatever reason, I, I really don't want to, you know, I'm, and you guys are quite strong and powerful and have got opinions. I can work within a self-organizing team. I, when you guys have an idea, I just go, yeah, sounds like a good idea. Because it does sound like a good idea, you know? Because I don't have a good idea. I, you guys seem to know what you're doing, and I want to be a follower. I want to, you, you lead me and I'll go where you want to go, you know? I'm up for that, I like that, you like that. That's okay. The idea of self-organization is not everyone's a leader in terms of as an idea stuff, but it's that everyone can situationally lead and in certain situations, I want to be a follower. I want to sit back and listen to what you've got to say and appreciate it and say, yeah, that's a good idea, actually. I'll go with that. Job. I guess the challenge is when you don't think it's a good idea. That's the difficult bit. Yeah. And so it's having, that's where facilitators come in. It's why I personally believe people like Scrum Masters and wider, the idea of referee or facilitator in work, is not a short-term tactic, but a long-term strategy. Because having someone who can help give you that system, the rules and the structure to be able to do that yeah. when it's socially awkward and the safety, safety. Yeah. and that requires referees. You know, Sometimes an external facilitator provides more safety than an internal one, yeah. I think, because they don't, they've got no, yeah. and people, well, you've said this yeah. before, people will come to you in a training yeah. course and yeah. tell you a truth that they'd, yeah. never, they'd never actually tell their boss, yeah. because you've got yeah. no skill oh. in the game, You're, oh. you, you can be completely yeah. neutral. I can't independently use it against them. Yeah. yeah. Well, just, it's just independent, it's like you feel like you're outside the experience. And so that comes back again, <coughs> leading it back to the first question, which was cultural fit or diversity, yeah. having people in there who can referee the experience so that when it does become rough and tumble, we still fit together, you know? Yeah. So we can be diverse, yet fit. You know what yeah. I mean? And that is something like something Pam like Scrum or something to help us do that. I want to be shy, I can be shy. I want yeah. to be loud, I can be loud. But I have that place in the system, that place in the how we work the tribe. Alright. I think that's a good place to finish. That was a deep one today. Yeah. It was quite, for, for me, as an introvert, that, <laughs> no, <laughs> it was quite, quite hairy. It was, it was quite hairy. <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's, it's a yeah. deep and it's a deeply psychological kind yeah. of. It, it doesn't have a glib answer, does it? No. What I will say is having three sides <laughs> really helps the conversation. Yeah, I'm infinitely more intelligent now after having those drinks. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. What was the gentleman's name or gentleman's Lawrence. Name? Thank well, you, Lawrence. Drink to Lawrence. Great to have you. See you again soon. Ta-da. So podcasters, if Paul doesn't edit this out, <laughs> Nigel on his 40th birthday is giving himself a mini SNES. Is it your first or 40th next week? Okay, 40th, not next week, it's um, uh, end of November. So a while. You yeah. having a party? Well. Are we yes, all invited? You are. Yeah, so you're not out there, <laughs> unless you're one of my friends then. Um, but all joking aside, you will be invited, but the plan is to have it at the new house. Oh, right, so that's okay. that's the plan, yeah. get the house. We won't be moved in, yeah. it'll be an empty shell, we will yeah. not live there, but, um, but the idea is to get everyone there. Okay. House. So, so I'll house tell warming. you that when that happens. 25th of November it'll be. But it's where um, we'll, house I'll put Nigel's new address on this after this. <laughs> we can all, all of you. Thousands, yeah. thousands, our thousands of listeners. Thousands of listeners. I bet every single Agile podcast listener turned up, I would notice. <laughs> That's harsh. That's harsh.